Blog Talk Radio. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this. But every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War, and someday, when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary, because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better rev than death, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war, because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shotters around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material competitions. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn their spirits, not animals. He said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. What if the American people woke up and understood that the official reasons for going to war are almost always based on lies and promoted by war propaganda in order to serve special interests? What if we as a nation came to realize that the quest for empire eventually destroys all great nations? What if the American people learned the truth? The FBI has foiled about 17 plots to kill Americans during the past 10 years. What it will not tell you is that there have been 20 foiled plots, and of them, Three were interrupted by members of the public. The 17 that were interrupted by the feds were created by the feds. Why do we pay the government to trick us into believing it is keeping us safe? What if a government that manipulated us could be fired? What if a government that lacked the true and knowing consent of the governed could be dismissed? What if it were possible to have a real game changer? What if we need a Ron Paul to preserve and protect our freedoms from the government? What if we can make elections matter again? What if you could love your country, but hate what the government has done to it? What if sometimes to love your country, 
you had to alter or abolish the government? What if Jefferson was right? What if that government is best which governs least? What if I'm right? What if the government is wrong? What if it is dangerous to be right when the government is wrong? What if it is better to perish fighting for freedom than to live as a slave? What if freedom's greatest hour of danger is now? It's critical that every citizen of this country rise up and do something because the day of reckoning is at hand and time is running out. Unless we do something, um, we're going to get the government that we deserve. How did you let this happen? Wake up out there. You know, it's your children. Don't you care? Uh, look what these people are doing to you. There are 200 million adults in this country. Why we are letting them get away with what they are, why we're not marching in the streets. Do everything in your power to restore freedom and your individuality back to America. Stop being a country run by the institutions for the institutions. Let's go back to we the people, by the people, for the people. You have to stop being scared. You have to stand up and do what's necessary to take back, to stop these bankers, these elite, this government full of lies, congressmen full of liars. And the Federal Reserve. And the fractional banking system. And the Fed. Elect Ron Paul and the war. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You, the people, have the power. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason, a world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. a lawyer once. His name was Francis Scott Key. He penned a song that I'm sure you're aware of. You've seen it. It's in most hymnals throughout our churches. It's called the National Anthem. It is our song as an American. We go, however, to a ball game. We stand in our church services and we sing the words of that song and they float over our minds and our lips and we don't even realize what we're singing. Most of us have memorized it as a child, but we've never really thought about what it means. Let me tell you a story. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. The colonies were engaged in vicious conflict with the mother country, Britain. Because of this conflict and the protractedness of it, they had accumulated prisoners on both sides. The American colonies had prisoners and the British had prisoners. And the American government initiated a move. They went to the British and they said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. They said, we want to send a man out to discuss this with you. They were holding the American prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. And they said, we want to send a man by the name of Francis Scott Key. He will come out and negotiate to see if we can make a mutual exchange. 
On the appointed day, in a rowboat, he went out to this boat and he negotiated with the British officials. And they reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one -one basis. Francis Scott Key, jubilant with the fact that he'd been successful, went down below in the boats and what he found was a cargo hold full of humanity, men. And he said, men, I've got news for you tonight, you're free. He said, tonight I have negotiated successfully your return to the colonies. He said, you'll be taken out of this boat, out of this filth, out of your chains. As he went back up on board to arrange for their passage to the shore, the admiral came and he said, we have a slight problem. He said, we will still honor our commitment to release these men, but it'll be merely academic after tonight. It won't matter. And Francis Scott Key said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mr. Key, he said, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, Fort Henry? He said, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. He said, how are you going to do that? He said, if you will, scan the horizon of the sea. And as he looked, he could see hundreds of little dots. And he said, that's the entire British war fleet. He said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon to demolish that fort. It will be here within striking distance in a matter of about two and a half hours. He said, the war is over. These men would be free anyway. He said, you can't shell that fort. He said, that's, that's a large fort. He said, it's full of women and children. He says, it's predominantly not a military fort. He said, don't worry about it. They said, we've left them a way out. And he said, what's that? He said, do you see that flag way up on the rampart? He said, we have told them that if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately. And we'll know that they've surrendered, and you'll now be under British rule. Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And they said, how many ships? He said, hundreds. The ships got closer. Francis Scott Key went back up on top and he said, men, I'll shout down to you what's going on as we watch. As twilight began to fall and as the haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset, suddenly the British war fleet unleashed. <clears throat> he says the sound was deafening. There were so many guns that there were no reliefs. He said it was absolutely impossible to talk or hear. He said suddenly the sky, although dark, was suddenly lit. And he says from down below, all he could hear the men, the prisoners, saying was, tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling, Every time the bomb would explode and it would be close to the flag, they could see the flag in the illuminated red glare of that bomb. And Francis Scott Key would report down to the men below, it's still up. It's not down. The admiral came and he said, your people are insane. He said, what's the matter with them? He said, don't they understand this is an impossible situation? 
Francis Scott Key said he remembered what George Washington had said. He said the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is he will die on his feet before he'll live on his knees. The Admiral said, we have now instructed all of the guns to focus on... All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson, podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today, Greensboro, North Carolina. Far cry from today of what people stand for the flag, huh? Today they can't even uh, you gotta kneel down in shame at a football game or a baseball game or whatever, you know, flag of your, well, you're a racist, too, if you uh, have an American flag, you know, flying on your house. And, you know, that's, I don't know, everybody's a racist, I guess, I don't know. But, uh... Yeah, this um, the narrative out there, you know, everybody believes whatever the TV says. Everybody's got time to watch the watch the TV, but they don't got time to pay attention to what's really going on. And I see all these people now running their mouth with masks on. Everybody, all of a sudden, what happened? When I wake up this morning, all of a sudden, everybody's wearing a mask again. What, what the hell's going on here? Boy, oh boy, all it takes is just one announcement, and that's it. The new variant, the variant. The variant, what, what, I asked somebody today, I said, what the hell is the variant? Uh, it's a powerful new strain. <laughs> well, it's coming. Um, we got uh, Joe Biden getting ready. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. And uh, we know what's happening. So uh, they're going to be shutting us down, shutting everything down. And the uh, second lockdown's coming. And they're going to announce it soon. Uh, we had the governor here from Colorado on uh, last week, and uh, he pretty much uh, broke it down to you what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, whether you believe him or not, that's, you know, believe what's happening. I mean, we've done this before. We talked about January 6th before it was going to happen. It, it's irrelevant. Will you listen? I mean, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. I can't tell you what to do, but all I can tell you is that this, is that, look, this whole thing is a hoax. It's been played out. It's documented. It's a hoax. It's a lie. It's a fraud. There's just really, I mean, it's a deception. But we're going to play Joe Biden here, and uh, we're going to play here a little bit here the information war. And uh, open up the phone lines here, 657-383-0616. Press number one if you want to talk. Talk about anything you want to talk about. Um, You don't have to stay on topic. There's no particular topic here tonight. But uh, I'm going to play this here by the uh, the announcement's coming soon. It's coming soon. you got to press the number one if you want to talk here. So press the number one. I'll check the phone boards here in about uh, about three minutes or so. I'm going to play this one here, this clip here for you. And, uh, hey, it's here. It's here, the new world order. As you know it, is ending. The Great Reset is the plan to establish a planetary world government to carry out the end of the industrial age and the end of the human era. We are looking at the post-homo sapien sapien era. And it all began with the launch of the COVID virus as the pretext to bring in a medical worldwide dictatorship controlled by the United Nations. They have no intention of allowing the American people to take the republic back after their coup of 2020 and the stolen election. That's why they plan to launch a new lockdown that will stretch all the way through next year and the midterm elections in 15 months so they can use mail-in ballots again to steal it. They can be stopped, but there's not much time. 
In all of recorded history, it is documented that elites routinely decide to call the general population because they don't want to look at us. They want to go to the lake, they want to go to the mountains, they want to go where they want and not look at the lower classes. And that's all this is. The globals are buying up all the problems. Uh, they're uh, getting uh, nation states to shut up general tourism. All of these carbon taxes are about shutting the general public down while the globalists live like kings. It's parasitic, it's evil, but if we lie down and let them dominate us and let them teach us that we're bad and dirty and we have to wear these face masks and all the rest of it, we deserve what we get. These people are psychotics, they're beyond selfish, and they are your mortal enemies. And the Great Reset is the end of our world and the beginning of theirs. Are we going to let them have it and have our children's future? Look in the mirror and ask yourselves a question. I come to you with extremely grave tidings. And I'm going to have to lay out some really, really, really sad, frightening, disgusting things here. But that's got to be done because it's our main chance at stopping the globalist. That said, everything I'm going to lay out here is on record. Our enemies are extremely arrogant, and they have bragged about every facet and point of their operation. It is truly the globalist world now, and we're just living in it. And if they have their way, we won't be living in it for long. This entire controlled collapse is not to just get control of humanity. It is to get full control over humanity to carry out an orderly forced depopulation that includes not just sterilizations or chemicals in the food and water and the destruction of the family and the chemical, chemical castration of boys, but physically being taken to work camps and worked to death and or shot in the back of the head. So I'm going to lay this out for you right now as best I can. And I just beg that you get this information to every member of Congress you can, every legislation you can, every mayor, every city council person, every decision maker, because we have a very good chance of stopping this if people realize that I've been right 99% before, because I'm going off their own battle plans, their own war games, and that I'm not just right about what their plans are, I'm right about how to stop them. I bet it my life's work to study these people. Okay. First off, over this, this is an endless global lockdown that is designed to, over time, only get tighter. They have the illusion of loosening it from time to time, but that will be for just a few weeks or a few months maximum. Australia, Canada, places like Germany and France, they are ahead of us in the game because they're under deeper authoritarian control. And so they are, again, a year or so ahead of us. Everything you see there is now coming here, as I told you a year and a half ago. What you see happening in Europe now will be here in a year to two years, and it's here. Biden is set within two weeks to announce a new nationwide lockdown, just as they did a year and a half ago. The big corporations are already leading it, with big tech and others already saying don't come into work and already basically locking down and saying no one who hasn't taken the experimental shot can come into work. You see all the major sports franchises, the NFL, they're all doing it. That's what globalism is is corporate world governance being enforced. And so within two weeks, this is from sources inside the government, but I don't need to have those sources. You can see all the preconditioning, all the chatter everywhere. They will then start announcing another lockdown, and the lockdown of non-essential small businesses to further bankrupt those to consolidate power for the Fortune 100 who've doubled and tripled their profits in the last year and a half, and who have been directing, again, the planetary lockdowns 
that are also causing massive deaths in the tens of millions across the world. So never forget that a collapse here means total death in the third world. And then, of course, those giant masses of people who have been organized by the U.N. into refugee camps and then brought into the first world as a new political permanent underclass they control. But I digress. The big takeaway here is that they're going to bring a lockdown back this fall, and they're going to extend it through the winter, blaming the unvaccinated, even though none of the facts show that. I'll cover that in a moment. They will then quasi remove the controls for people that accept Internet passports, medical passports, tracker systems on their phones, people that accept to be enrolled in a face scan, handprint program that, quote, has more security, uh, will be given the highest rating in the new social credit score rollout that is already taking place. Now, why is all this being done? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Consolidate power, more control, put the U.N. in charge, set up the censorship bureaus to block anybody telling the truth about what's happening or anybody pointing out the dangers and deaths and illnesses caused by the vaccines. This is all just the first phases of going operational. So it went from beta to operational, but this is operational beta. You know, they went from pure beta into the first operational phase where they're just gauging and testing different systems of control around the world. They admit this with top think tanks, behavioral psychology uh, brigades, literally, of the military. All the major militaries are involved other than the Russians. And they are just moving, moving against us with this uh, PSYOP and, and then always tweaking it and fine-tuning it. But, again, this is all in the United States being done, and every other authoritarian regime likes it as well because it gives them power, so that as the midterms approach, in only 15 months, they will have the pretext yet again to have the fake millions of mail-in ballots, and Biden who's declared the climate emergency, and Biden who's declared this uh, COVID emergency, will be able to circumvent federal and state laws, they believe, and stop the giant populist Republican landslide that every metric shows is about to happen. That's why the New York Times is saying, what's wrong with illegal aliens voting? Whoever said only citizens can vote? That was the cover page two days ago. So this is their move. And, and then if you read in the two-month-old now new official U.S. government policy on terrorism by Biden, it says questioning elections, questioning lockdowns, is white supremacism, and white supremacism equals terrorism, and the full weight of the U.S. military, the Pentagon, the CIA, and the other 15 intelligence agencies can, will, and is being used against you. So we're not approaching martial law. We're under a medical tyranny, medical dictatorship via the corporations of the U.N. The United States is now a subsidiary of that, officially taking orders from the United Nations. Our medical policy is set by them who can speak, who can talk, who can be online, whether the head of a university or a major scientist is up to them. The point is, is this is not all approaching. This is, this is here now. And so Republicans need to understand that this is all about the final takedown of this country. And this really is America and the world's last shot to fix this peacefully. Because they're already coming aggressively with these dangerous, unapproved, Genetic engineering drugs is what they are. They're already surveilling everybody. They're already censoring everybody. They're already setting up uh, their contact tracing groups and, 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 and their new medical inquisition army. And so on a scale of 1 to 100, medical tyranny-wise, this is a 100. I mean, when they're on every channel saying, if you don't take these shots, you can't have a job, you can't keep your children, 
you can't go to the store and buy food. Whether it's MSNBC, ABC, CNN, or the British leaders or the French leaders, it's all the same. This is the corrupt ruling class's pretext, their move to take control of all of society, and it's happening now. And if people don't wake up to the full horror, there again is no hope of defeating it. The psychology is very, very simple. Give up your rights, take the injections, let us track everything you do, let us control your life, and the emergency will blow over like a bad storm, like a bad nightmare. Oh, sorry, enough people didn't do what we said, and so now we've got to bring the control back. Gee, we, we hate all this power and control we're getting. We, we hate how the big tech companies have doubled and tripled profits and how Walmart and Target have doubled profits. Well, you all learn to be non-essential. It's, it's, it's out in the open. But what's so frustrating is they had articles in CNN, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Times of London, everywhere, a year and a half ago, saying, this is really to get rid of the carbon and to teach people to not be so wasteful and to teach people that they just can't have vacations or fly on airplanes or have cars. And the symbol of it is permanently wearing a mask and just like seatbelts became ubiquitous, you will submit and mask will never come off. And I'm like, hey, look, they're admitting that's the plan. They're admitting it's for carbon taxes. <clears throat> Once they get the world ID, it's the Extinction Rebellion movement, you know, that wants the trains and the cars all to stop. That's, that's their, their, their brown shirts, their foot soldiers. Earth First, a former head, is, is now being put in as the head of BLM. Uh, she believes in a post-human world. She believes humans are parasites. This is a cult. This ha that, that, that has this attitude as their excuse to rule over people. And we have to stop putting them up there like they're the moral authority lecturing us on how they're guardians of the earth. It has nothing to do with guarding the earth. It has everything to do with total, absolute power and control over every calorie, over every ounce of energy that all of us use, and the excuse and pretext to surveil what we do and what we use, and the capability to massively ration that. This is a political, cultural, economic, spiritual revolution where the environmental groups run by the Davos group in the UN are the high priests, they're the temples, and all of us that fight back against them are the heretics. All of those that go along with it are the faithful, and they'll be rewarded on their smartphones with universal basic income if they submit. But for that reward of absolution, for that act of pittance that they're supposedly going to have to indulge uh, this new church, they will, of course, have to give over their culture, their mind, their bodies to the GMO, big pharma cartels. This is a permanent emergency that the planet is being put into, where by increment we are taught to go under its control. And it's interesting to notice, whether it's the U.K. or Australia or the U.S., it's Communist Party members who are pushing this and supporting it. This is not a communist conspiracy, but the globalists are using communist networks of authoritarianism to bring this in. And they understand it's about social control, and that just like the Bolsheviks took 10 years to get control of Russia starting in 1917, they are getting control of us the same way, just as Mao did as well, taking 20 years to get the farmers off the land so he controlled them. This is unrestricted total warfare. And again, the post-industrial world is not to just get control of everybody. It is then to set up a world where it's impossible via this control collapse to have a family, to have children, and to have a meaningful life. 
that will force people more and more into compact cities and the whole VR, AI system of false reality. And, and, and this is their plan. That's how I know each step of it, what's going to happen, because it's all been stated by them, and that's what's so frustrating. So we see the domesticated population like lambs to the slaughter, really believing that the social contract is still in place and that the system really cares about them and they're all just working together. Because we've been taught for generations that that's supposedly what's happening, but that's, that's not what's happening. And we are now facing the globalist main move right now. That's why it's up to all of us to raise the alarm about how criminal this system is and continue, like our lives depend on it, because they do, to expose how every facet and every phase of this COVID-19 hysteria takeover has been a lie and a fraud from the very beginning. Have you sat back and thought about how you were lied to? Have you sat back and, 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 and chronicled it, written it down, and then showed it to others? Because these people have to be discredited. And these people have to be sued and indicted and opposed. And we're going to have to engage in civil disobedience that you already see around the world to bring this to a stop and shut down globalist events because they've never paid the price for anything they've done to us. They shut us down. They declare us not essential. They wage war and siege upon us and then tell us, oh, the football games are over, the Olympics are over. So we beg for those very events when it's those events that they own and control that we should boycott and shun and protest and block the highways to. We have to realize their psychology. We have to protest at their homes. We have to protest their buildings. We have to boycott their companies. When we see the globalists, we have to get in their face legally and lawfully because these people are getting in our faces with poisonous injections they're trying to force us in violation of the Nuremberg Code to accept. Think about how they run these headlines, cherry-picking on CNN and everywhere else, the Hill, every day, saying, oh, this man didn't believe in the shot, so he died of COVID. And almost every time you check the local news, it has a different story that the man had underlying cancer or the little boy already had heart problems uh, or the fact that they just said it was a COVID test, but it wasn't a COVID test. We know all of that. But then they suppress and they hide the various reporting system they've now taken offline. And they suppress people that post a video of the funeral of their 25-year-old daughter who was in total health and a nurse and took the second shot and died. So never forget that, that they're suppressing treatments for normal viral infections and engaging in mass murder and telling people they have pneumonia, stay home till they die, then calling it COVID and refusing people medical treatment that have heart attacks and cancer in the last year and a half and all the hundreds of billions of dollars extra the insurance companies made by not rendering aid. And now the new numbers out of Israel out of all these other places like Iceland, like Singapore, like Gibraltar, where they have up to 98% vaccination rates. The countries I just listed between 80 and 98, the countries vary. Israel's 80, Singapore's 80, Gibraltar's 98, Iceland's over 90. They all have the highest rates of death and illness in people with COVID. Because it's not COVID, it's a spike protein, and that's all coming out of the studies. As they suppress what Texas doctors have discovered, that just aerosolized inhaled steroids has a 100% rate of recovery with COVID if you get it early. But again, most doctors are told you can't even prescribe because the UN said so. This is a full attack against civilization, a full attack against knowledge. This is a new dark age being imposed. 
where if you challenge the orthodoxy, you literally get put in an electronic gulag, and now they have attorney generals put in power by Soros across the country trying to arrest people that expose the COVID-19 fallacies and lies. In Australia, they're passing laws. In Europe, they're passing laws to put people in jail that even organize and protest or speak out against the lockdowns. And that takes us full circle to Biden, to much the National Terrorism Directive, saying people that question lockdowns are terrorists. Well, of course we knew new lockdowns were coming when they did that. It had always been their plan. They said it's a permanent emergency. Or they tighten it down, loosen it up, tighten it down, loosen it up. But each time they retighten, it just gets tighter. And each time they loosen, it doesn't get as loose as it did the time before. Successive approximation. And, of course, it's coming out in places like Massachusetts that the vast majority of people sick are the vaccinated. It's, it's coming out everywhere. So many stories a day. The big one. On the Don Salazar article about an FDA PowerPoint presentation they were giving to a state government. And they had erased some slides they didn't want seen by the public. But a digital copy got put in and they flashed it on screen. This is a year ago about what they knew the vaccine would do because they'd already pre-tested vaccines under other names for coronaviruses. And there it was, heart attacks, blood clots, strokes, Guillain-Barre's, narcolepsy, epilepsy, death, it's all there. Think about that long and hard. And realize the premeditated evil of how these agencies knew this and did this. And they said, my God, we're not going to give approval to this. We're going to get the blame. So instead they said it has emergency approval, and they tricked President Trump, who they were holding the economy hostage on, to do warp speed. And Trump has now committed himself to it, and it's just a terrible thing. And I, I, I hold Trump, and I hold others responsible, but I know that Trump did not consciously do this, and now he's been coming out saying he made to take the vaccine. So that's a good thing. It needs to be more vocal. But with the globalists, it was all premeditated, all known, University of Texas, major government initiative, 2012, studying coronaviruses with a protein and the fact that it killed the rats with the blood clots just the same way. It's killing humans, and there it is in the FDA slideshow. Do you understand? So it's up to you. You can resist. You can speak out. You can say no. You can go speak at your church. You can call into talk radio. You can... More InfoWars and folks are telling the truth. But whatever you do, redouble your effort. I want to commend all the listeners that are taking the, my show and, and, and taking these special reports and, and uh, editing them however you want. I, I don't care. Just All right, everybody. Joseph Gibson podcasting here on Understanding the Times in which we live today. We've uh, went over this a dozen times also. Uh, the, the COVID, the vaccine, the patent on the vaccine. I remember years ago we went over that uh, so we've covered all that too. So uh, yeah, but, uh, he, he's absolutely correct, and it's in this new world order. And but where does that stand with you know you got that got the people there? You know we talk. I talk to a lot of pastors around the country and stuff, and uh, you know well, really they don't give me a, def- a definitive stance on where you know what 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 do you, how do you stand up again? I mean there were some pastors across the country that you know they shut down my church, but they well they arrested a lot of them too, fined them, what not. What happened to those people? They didn't go away. The fines didn't go away. You know, they ended up paying and cowering down. You know, so, you know, where does this play out in, in the Bible? Where does this play out with God? You know, uh, you know, the end times or whatnot. You know, what is that? Everybody's preaching. Is, is this the big deception where everyone thinks it's the end and whatnot, and then the end doesn't happen? See, the end didn't happen, and, you know, we go into that AI uh, 
world, that, that unreality world? Because right now you can see everybody out there not living in reality. I mean, they don't understand reality. I mean, I have conversations with people. I'm like, you didn't say that. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. You know, and they don't realize it. They're so chemically dumbed down and poisoned, they don't remember. You know, yeah, you did say that. Yes, you did. And they're argumentative. You know, I'm like, don't you remember saying this? Don't you remember five years ago? Don't you remember? You know, I got to go. I got to go. I got to call. I got to call. You know, and right on the other line. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, don't you see it, people out there that are awake and that see what's going on? I mean, it's true. You know, whether, you know, so I, don't, I, I just don't, I just don't understand. You know, where does this play out? Where How does this play out here? You know, what are you going to do? Uh, 657 Three eight three zero six one six. Person number one. I know I invited uh, a guy from Connecticut to come on here. I don't know if he's there or not. I think he was calling me during the thing, but uh, I wish he'd call the show number. Uh, person number one there. If you're out there, there uh, my buddy there from. Uh, I think it was him, Joe. I think it was Joe uh, from Connecticut. I don't know if he's there or not. I don't know. He has to press the number one if he wants to come on to the podcast and uh, talk. I don't know. I, 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 I did. He wanted to. Let him know next time I'm doing a show and talking about this. I don't know. I don't see him on the call board. So um, somebody was trying to get a hold of me on there uh, during that time. So person number one, you want to talk about this COVID thing? I mean, what are you going to do? How are you going to stand up and fight against it? I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, you know, how does this pan out? I know there was a big discussion the other night about God and everything. I mean, uh, let's see, it was uh, Dr. Peter Ventura. He was going back and forth with uh, Bianchi there. And, uh, you know, Dr. Peter Ventura pretty much, Outline, you know, pretty much the facts. I mean, the history and the, uh, you know, what was true and what you know and and, and everything. And I mean, Pianchi was very well educated. But they had a very good, powerful discussion. I got a lot of emails about that conversation. Actually, I'm not qualified to talk about it. I mean, I can't really get into those that in depth on a theological uh, discussion level. But it does pertain to today and the times in which we live today. I mean, because everyone's looking to God, this rapture. You know, we're going to have a rapture. We're out of here. Boom, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and now people know my position on that, too, where, you know, I believe that it's going to, you know, we're going to go through the tribulation, halfway through the tribulation, then, bam, get raptured out of here. But, you know, either way, I, you know, I still believe, you know, in Jesus Christ. And I believe, believe that he did rise, you know, an empty, empty tomb. You know, that's the evidence right there. you got an empty tomb. You know, I don't think, no, I don't think the Roman government, uh, you know, put guards there and they kidnapped the body in the middle of the night just to trick everybody. I don't think that, you know, that wouldn't have happened. So, but, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, the end times, where's the end here? This COVID thing, this is another stage of the new world order. We remember Obama, remember the financial takeover in 2008? Uh, we were all talking then, you know, with the new world order, you know, uh, global lockdown and stimulation into your North American Union, European Union, African Union, Asian Union. And here we are, you know, 12 years later, you know, and uh, we're, now we're going to the next phase, you know, the objectives. So, all right. So uh, I don't know what your position is on the new world order or if you want to uh, comment or talk on it. I'm going to check the phone boards here. Press the number one if you have anything at all you want to say. Um, I don't know where, where where Sarge is tonight. I haven't talked to Sarge. I don't know where he where he took off to, but uh, let's see. Let me go to uh, the phone boards here and check. See if anybody's. If you're a crank caller, you might as well say forget. It. I'm not even gonna let you on. So I'll remember the number. All right, uh, all right. No, let's see. Go down the line here. I've got a good call, full call call board here. Um, 
press number one. If you guys want to comment on this, my usual people there that uh, call in and uh, try. Or maybe I think one guy said he can't get through. I don't know why. But uh, Joe from Connecticut, because you're there, not Joe. Uh, yeah, Joe from Connecticut. Uh, he was on the other night, and I don't know if he's trying to get through or not. He has to press the number one. Uh, I don't know if he's trying to get through or not. I have no idea. I should probably touch base with him before the show. I don't know. But, uh, okay. Well, we'll go back to the COVID story then. All right. I don't think he's on. He's not on there. I don't see. I don't think he's on there. I don't know what area code he'd be calling in from anyway. But uh, Biden is set in a couple weeks to say to announce this national lockdown. And this is all in, uh, uh, and if you remember correctly, we talked about this, something going down in August uh, of this year, August, September, where we were going to this COVID thing. Or, you know, we didn't know it was going to be the COVID at that time. I just said something was going to be happening. If you remember correctly, I did say that. And, uh, you know, uh, but I guess they're going to use this uh, this uh, false flag, this, uh, you know, uh, COVID. But uh, what he talked about there, uh, uh, Iceland, Israel, whatnot, uh, the uh, 90% of the population vaccinated, um, that's crazy. I mean, they're, they're, and if you look it up, it's, it's true. I mean, uh, they're the sickest. They've got the most deaths deaths and whatnot so uh you know biden pushes mandated injections on local government uh that's that's that was that was a special report there that we did play on there um so he's going to be announcing this this not lockdown supposedly that's what we are rumors going around now um uh heavily heavily vaccinated countries see massive covid uh spike so uh you know i wish i had my expert here i think i was talking to somebody earlier today about a guy who Pretty much, he knows pretty much everything about this COVID thing. He were, and he said it was a, a hoax. But uh, you know, we're showing you what happens from the, uh, the wall border facility with the U.S. Uh, southern borders breakdown, threatening the health of surrounding communities and beyond. The situation is so stark; it's even got Democrats once defensive of the surge, demanding more to be done to protect the health and safety of Texans. Uh, there's uh, the border there, where we got so many people coming over from the. Uh, the border where, where you know, you could watch. I mean, i got video here of, of, of illegals just coming over, uh, coming right over the border. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, and, I mean, we have no border. There's no border security. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, FDA announces that CDC PCR test failed. Review will have emergency use authorization uh, revoked. Uh, 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 New York City Mayor de Blasio announces COVID vaccine mandates. Voluntary phase is over. That's what he says right there. Uh, CDC director, vaccine passports may very well be a pass forward. So in the U.S., what do you think about that, guys? No? Here's the article right here. Uh, When asked in a CNN interview whether a health pass system like the one being rolled out in Europe would come to the U.S., Walensky replied in the affirmative. I think some communities are doing that, and that may very well be a path forward, she said Wednesday. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky says European-style health passes for admission to nightclubs and other venues may very well be a path forward. The director added that in some fully vaccinated venues, it is possible for vaccinated people to spread COVID-19. In some fully vaccinated venues, if they are unmasked and they are a few people who are transmitting, there is a fully, oh, excuse me, there as a fully vaccinated person, it is possible to pick up 
diseased in those settings. <laughs> yeah, okay. Whatever. All right. You know, it's just crazy, man. It's crazy, this stuff. I'm reading it right now. It's, it's insane. Merkel reveals she has no regrets over 2015 migrant influx claims. She would let one million into Germany again. New study on mysterious glow at heart of our galaxy kills hypothesis about dark matter. What's that? There you go. There's uh, one there about creation, I guess, right? Uh, anybody wants to comment on that? Um, it's insane. It's insanity. That's what it is. I'm going to play a quick commercial, and uh, I'll go back to the phone boards and check uh, check to see if anybody wants to comment here on tonight's story. Uh, two weeks, I mean, two weeks lockdown. That's what they're saying. National lockdown. That's it. It's over. Freedom's over. Y'all been asking where the Trump supporters are, right? Why we've been so quiet? Where all the Trumpies at, right? That's what I've been hearing. We've been here the whole time. We don't need a safe space. We don't burn down our cities. We don't riot when things don't go our way. And if we lose a fair one, then we accept defeat with humility. But when you try to rob from us, steal from us, and cheat us, Councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. It is a big idea, a new world order. It was almost as if it were a planned implosion. It just pancaked. Either you were with us, or you were with the terrorists. All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson here, podcasting. Understand the times in which we live today. I check the phone boards here, my screen, a couple callers, see what's going on. Be right back. During the American Revolution. The active forces in the field against the king's tyranny never amounted to more than 3% of the colonists. They were in turn actively supported by perhaps 10% of the population. In addition to these revolutionaries were perhaps another 20% who favored their cause but did little to nothing to support it. Another one-third of the population sided with the king. By the end of the war, there were actually more Americans fighting for the king than there were in the field against him. And the final third, they took no side and blew with the wind and took what came. Three percenters today do not claim that we represent three percent of the American people, although we might. That theory has not yet been tested. We do claim that we represent at least 3% of American gun owners, which is still a healthy number, somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 million people. History, for good or ill, is made by determined minorities. We are one such minority. So too are the current enemies of the Founders Republic. What remains, then, is the test of will and skill to determine who will shape the future of our nation.
but 3% today are gun owners who will not disarm, will not compromise, and will no longer back up at the passage of the next Gun Control Act. Three percenters today say quite explicitly that we will not obey any further circumscription of our traditional liberties and will defend ourselves if attacked. We intend to maintain our God-given natural rights to liberty and property, and that means most especially the right to keep and bear arms. We are committed to the restoration of the Founders' Republic and are willing to fight, die, and if forced by any would-be oppressor to kill in the defense of ourselves and the Constitution that we took a vote to uphold against enemies foreign and domestic. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. 
Awesome. Yeah, uh, I was watching Alex Jones uh, earlier today. I was watching a rerun from yesterday. And uh, did you see uh, one of the senators from Congress? He uh, he made Fauci look like a like a excuse my language, but like a dumb f, you know. And uh, <laughs> uh, well, I think Fauci does that do. on his own anyway, doesn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Yeah, he was shaking. He was shaking. Yeah, uh, who so, was it that uh, slammed him there? Was it Ron Paul or Rand Paul? Ron, I think it was Ron, Rand Paul that slammed Fauci, right? Uh, I mean, he, he just made. Rand I mean, Paul that was, was just, he just that, pounded yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, last week, but uh, yesterday it was the other guy. Uh, oh man, I forgot his name. Uh, uh, but well, he what just they, made what they say to him to make him uh, make him look stupid? If you're asking, what they say to him? Well, uh, he was trying to say, you know, like, okay, if we're supposed to wear the mask, mask for how long? And uh, it, it, it you couldn't answer the, the question. He just kept on going, like, around it, you know, and <laughs> he just made him look dumb, you know? Yeah, typical. They never answer a question. Yeah. It's kind of oh, like no, a lawyer, no. you know, they're all liars, you know, they lie. But, yeah, I mean, how long are we supposed to wear this mask for? I mean, really, oh, he wants us to wear this mask permanently. It's always a good thing to wear this mask now. And I'm walking around today, and I see a lot of people wearing masks now, uh, you know, in stores and whatnot. And I'm like, like, wow, you know, I mean, it's just insane. I mean, what, what does the mask actually even work? I always heard it doesn't do anything whatsoever for you. You know what? Uh, have you seen people driving and they got the mask on? Yeah, they've yeah, smashing in a telephone pole. That's probably why they got all the accidents now in North Carolina. You know, smack, yeah. crack, smashing yeah. into each other. You know, wearing masks. They're wearing masks in a car. So you already got restricted air in the car, <laughs> and they're wearing a mask on top of it, and they've already got uh, asthma, and they can't breathe. <laughs> yeah, I got to wear a mask. I don't want to get pulled over by the big cop. <laughs> Well, if they're wearing a mask inside the car, then I think they should wear a seatbelt when they're uh, doing their shopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But, uh, yeah, Fauci, Fauci's of something else, boy, let me tell you. But he was part of Trump's squad there. I mean, Trump, he, I, mean, what, what, I don't know how he got in there. Didn't he just, like, pop up on the scene, this Fauci? Where did he come from? I mean, was this guy famous before or something? All of a sudden, now he's, like, the most famous guy in the world, you know? Where did he come from? Uh, he was uh, during the the Reagan uh, years. Uh, he was there, and also with the Bush uh, Bush Senior. And oh, okay. then he didn't hear from him until yeah, until this last year. Yeah. Oh well, I, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, with the Trump, yeah. But Trump's coming out saying now with about the vaccine. I mean, they duped him into that warp speed thing, like that, like Alex Jones was saying there. I mean, uh, so oh, it's 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 uh, it's. It's sad, man. It's sad. I mean, uh, on, on, while I got you on the phone, though, what, I mean, you know, what happens, uh, you know, during this lockdown? They lock us down again. What you, what's going to happen? You're going to comply with the lockdown? You're going to wear the mask? I mean, they, you know, they tell you you need to carry the card or whatnot. What are you going to do? Well, uh, when they had the first lockdown, I was still going out. And I wasn't pulled over or not anything. So the only thing I had to do was wear a mask, you know. But you know, when I went to the stores, but well, that's about it. Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. I'm a person well, that I, I, yeah, because I'm a person that can't be 
uh, locked in a house and do nothing. You know, I gotta be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hear you, man. Yeah. I hear you on that. I hear you. Well, man, I appreciate your yeah. call here tonight. I, I agree with you. You know, and you know what? That is your right as a human being to be out and freely move. As long as you're not hurting nobody else and you're not doing anything to anybody exactly. else. And, you know, you should be able to do as you free, your, free, your free will allows you to do. And people forget that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Uh, I'll talk it. to you uh, when you're all done. Like, like a good, you know? All righty then. What's that? Okay, take care. Yeah, all right. Thank I'll, you. Like, all right, I'll, I'll mute you. Call. Yeah, I'll, I'll mute you. I've muted you. I've gone ahead and muted you. Just so you don't have to worry about muting yourself. Uh, if you want to get back in, I guess uh, you unmute yourself or whatnot. Uh, Preston number one, anybody who wants to speak here tonight, uh, they got something to say. If they if you missed the uh, the uh, intro here tonight, we talked about Biden. Uh, it's going to be announcing in the next couple of weeks here the lockdown, of uh, the national lockdown. And, uh, hey, I mean, uh, it, it, we've been right so far. And if you remember correctly, we talked about this something big happening in August of, uh, of uh, uh, this year. And it didn't, uh, I mean, you know, so it, it, is it going to happen? Is this going to be the big thing, the, the, you know, this lockdown? Are they going to, I mean, this is what, take a little bit of freedom away, you know, that they don't give it back. You know, they, they, you know look what they did here when they, we started coming off lockdown. You know, well, you, maybe, you know, the schools and whatnot. I mean, the schools really didn't open up until freaking a month before they were going to graduate last year. And even then, they were uh, panicking to see, you got a mask, sir? Do you have a mask? You know, still, they walk, you walk into place. Have you had your COVID shot? No, I have not. Oh, my God. You know, they look at you like, you know, they're like their brains are getting rewired. Like they shut down like an AI robot or something, you know. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know. But we're, I don't know. It's, it's insane. But uh, let me uh, try, uh, let's see, uh, I got another 336 here number. I don't know how that one, uh, 336 here. Go ahead. I'll try you unmuted. Go ahead. I've been trying to get in for a while. Go ahead. You're unmuted. All right. You, obviously, that's, that's somebody trying to play games or whatever. They're spoofing my number. I don't know how they're pretty good how they do that. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, anybody wants to talk here, comment here tonight about the COVID or talk about anything else, then this is your chance to press number one and come onto the platform. And like they said, though, this is your chance to, vo- to be vocal, to wake people up, to preach what you got to preach, and say what you need to say. Take advantage of it. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to entertain the, the arguments there with the homosexual thing. I'm not going to do that, get in a big debate about the homosexuality. Uh, homosexual, is it bad? Is it wrong? This and that. I'm not going to get into that like the other night. I did that with Ferrara, uh, Ferrari there. Ferrara, uh, I know he was in the chat room there. So, because uh, we do have a chat room that we have. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ascertain that uh, that nonsense. So if you want to come on, you got to press number one. Some people are saying they're having trouble connecting for some reason. So I don't know what's going on with that. And uh, this is a censorship that they do also. So uh, let me get to uh, let's see here. We're going to uh, play something else, something real quick here, um, and then I'm going to. Uh, I guess get into my documentary. Uh, we'll go back to World War II, I guess. I mean, because we got to learn from history, and uh, history sure as heck is not uh, not serving us well because we're not learning. I mean, everyone's running around out there with these masks on. I'd like to call the local news down here and ask them if they've uh, heard about this uh, lockdown. You know, uh, well, you know, is this true or whatnot? Because it's all in the documents. It's all in government released documents. Why are they not reporting that? 
You know, why are they not? Why instead they're reporting the guy uh, doing a tightrope act on the on a pool or something? You know, to make us happy. And uh, so, <laughs> right? I'm getting a message right now. Uh, I want to play this about the communist rule. I'm going to play this. This is an old one here. Somebody asked me to play this again, so I'm going to play this. To George Lincoln Rockwell. All right. So, he, uh, so I'm going to play this one and uh, play a few minutes of that, and then I'll. Um, Play my document, my uh, clip here, and then uh, take calls. If you guys want to talk? Then I, I don't know. If some people are having trouble getting through. I apologize for that. Not my. It's not me. Trust me. You got to press one if you want to get in. Just one, one time, and that's it. Six five seven three eight three zero six one six is the phone number. So some people are saying, "I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm hitting one, and nothing, you're not taking my call." So I'm sorry. We'll play this one real quick. But communism. Ladies and gentlemen, the following is a talk by the late commander of the American Nazi Party. Mr. George Lincoln Rockwell. The occasion was in Dallas, Texas, in 1965, where approximately 75 prominent Dallas citizens accepted a personal invitation to gather at a private home to see and hear Mr. Rockwell. Not be the best thing to say for my president, but I have been accepted in most cases, usually by people who have very little to lose by young people who are uh, working people and uh, are not, I would say, at the upper social level and uh, don't stand to lose too much. I have never seen, I have never been so encouraged as I have here in Dallas to see so many people who have so much to lose, who are laying so much on the line, who are willing even to come here and see me. I realize that it takes a lot of courage on the part of a lot of people. You've heard that I'm a Jewish agent working for Harry Golden and Bernard Baruch and the ADL and the about just about everything else, and I realize just how much courage it takes, and I'm very grateful to all of you. About the only thing that I think I can do in a talk to a group like this is to try to give you some uh, down-to-earth picture of what I see around the country and what I think we can do. I think that there's nobody that would be in this room if he weren't deeply concerned about what is happening to our race, to our Christian republic, to our constitution, and as far as I'm concerned, the major thing is our race. That's my basic concern. And I believe, along with uh, Senator Bilbo and uh, John Rankin and some of the other great men that I think are in the tradition which we are following, that if the race is preserved, we can produce everything else. If our race is destroyed, it matters not what kind of government we preserve. If we don't keep our white race, we're going to lose everything else. And I think they're after our white race more than anything else. I think they're using the Negroes. The Communist Party and the Jews are using the Negroes as a battering ram to smash down the white race because they recognize as long as the white race exists, they cannot get away with it. They can't put communism over on this country. Now, what I have to offer here, if anything, and I believe I do, is an analysis of why we sit here in this room, and some of you must be horrified that it will get out that you have spoken to me. Why should one American be afraid to be known that you've spoken to another American who is a veteran, spent 19 and a half years in the Navy, and loves his country just as much as any American alive? Why should you be afraid? Why should we be beaten down? Why should we be failures after 50 years of putting out work for years and years and years? Many of you have worked literally for years to save this country, and what do you see? I'm sure there's nobody in this room that won't agree with me that we have had at least 50 years of failure since 1913, when the Jews got the income tax amendment, since they set up the big foundation, they got the uh, election of senators directly instead of by the state legislatures, they set up the Anti-Defamation League, and they set up the Federal Reserve. In 1913, they did all those things. 
That was at Woodrow Wilson's time, the first, I believe, either communist or pro-communist president we ever had. And ever since then, ladies and gentlemen, let's face it, we have been losing. That is my thing, that we have been losing steadily. And when people say to me, yes, but how do you think you can win with a swastika and a name like Nazi, my answer is, who else is winning? Do you know of anybody else who has won or is winning? We just went through the horrible scene of seeing the whole country go crazy over a Jewish leader. The whole enemy is led by Jews, and suddenly here comes a Jew over to our side, and thousands of people, many of you here, would have, would have said it was impossible five years ago that you would be for a Jew for president of the United States. And isn't this true? Isn't this what's happened? And yet, what has this man done? He has got us to the point where millions of dollars have been expended, millions of people are discouraged all over the country. They have been going since the elections. People are disgusted, discouraged. They just don't know what to do anymore. We have seen Henry Ford rise up to fight them and be beaten down. We've seen Lindbergh rise up to fight them and be beaten down. We've seen Father Coghlan rise up to fight them and be beaten down. We've seen Joe McCarthy, perhaps the greatest of all of them, give it a try, and they beat him down. And I might mention, for those of you who have not read my book, let me tell you very briefly the story of Joe McCarthy or review it for you so that those of you who still have soft feelings for Goldwater will understand how they do this to us. Joe McCarthy was set up by Bernard Baruch. For those of you who don't know, I remember, I believe in Joe McCarthy. I love the man. I think he was one of the greatest Americans who's ever lived. He really tried. But as long as you do not understand the Jewish problem and face up to it and deal realistically with it, you might just as well not fight. Bernard Baruch called Joe McCarthy up to his New York apartment. And this at the time, if you remember, was at the time of the Rosenbergs. Remember, they were bringing out one Jewish spy after another. Greenglass, Weinbaum, Brothman, Moskowitz, all these Jewish spies were being dragged out. And the Jews were horrified. And instead of deploring it, like the Italians, good Italians deplore the mafia, the Jews have another answer. They asked Joe McCarthy, Bernard Baruch said, if you will go out, Joe, and bring up some Gentile communists, we'll back you. And Joe McCarthy, like many going before him, thinking, I'll outsmart these people, I'll take their support and get going, and I'll fight them. And when the time comes, I'll get all the communists, not just the, the Gentiles, went along with Jewish Mr. Baruch. And do you remember the first thing he did? Owen Lattimore. Remember how he said he was the biggest spy in the United States? Owen Lattimore. This was at a time when all the spies were Jews. And all of a sudden he brought out Owen Lattimore, and he made a lot of silly charges that didn't fit as to, to numbers. I'm not saying that his charges about communism weren't correct. I'm simply saying that his number, he got all mixed up on his numbers, and they began to poke fun at him. He was advised by George Sikorsky, a supposedly right-wing Jewish columnist. Remember that? He installed as his chief of staff Roy Cohn, a Jew from New York. And Roy Cohn told him that we need another fine Jew here to help us, David Chine. Now, here he was set up by Baruch, advised by Sikorsky, staffed by Cohn and Chine, and who got him? Do you remember who got Joe McCarthy? It was Roy Cohn calling from his office in the name of Joe McCarthy to get favors from the Army for David Chine. It wasn't Joe McCarthy that did a single. They couldn't get Joe McCarthy. He never did a wrong thing. But these two Jews are the guys that got Joe McCarthy. Now, I'm here tonight to tell you that there is no compromise whatsoever with the truth. We are the only weapon that we have in the right wing, in pro-American, pro-white, Christian-American, Republicanism, whatever you want to call it. There is no compromise with the truth. That's the only weapon we have. And when we compromise the truth and try to sneak we are competing with the biggest sneaks in the world. And if there's anybody in this room that thinks for one minute that we can out-sneak the Jews, he's got another thing coming. 
They are the master sneaks of all time. We are not sneaks. Our kind of people are direct. Our Anglo-Saxon and Germanic and Nordic forefathers stand up with mighty club if they had to, and they stand up to their enemies and they beat them over the head until they win or they get beaten. They don't go sneaking and skulking around like a bunch of Jews. They don't use lies. The only way we can win is to stand up like men and fight. Now, I believe that we have lost for all these years, not only in America, but all over the world, because we have continually been sucked into this business of believing there's some easy way to win. Everybody has tried to do it by telling a little bit of the truth. And folks, this is like being a little bit pregnant. It just isn't possible. You either tell the truth or you are a liar. You've got to stand up for the whole truth. And believe me, I thought for a long time perhaps I was wrong to tell what I now know to be the whole truth, that Adolf Hitler fought our fight, but I now begin to find out it worked. How many of you people would have said just two or three years ago that you would ever be sitting in a room listening to the head Nazi of the world discuss on Nazism? You would have thought it was impossible, and yet you're here. Some of you may be under protest, and some of you quaking with horror, but you're here. And you will listen, and some of you will, will realize that some of the things I'm saying make some sense. I hope that a lot of the things that you will think make sense. We are making progress. People are beginning to realize that what happened in Germany was a forerunner of what's happening here. Have you noticed, by the way, how the women's fashions even are precisely going along the pattern of 1920? They've got the same crazy dance music, the same immorality, the same filth in our national life. Everybody's crazy over money, and there's a big boom. They're getting ready to do the same thing to us here that they did to the Germans in 1920. And in the face of this, here is what I think we must understand. We are presently a tiny little group. Not because we don't have a lot of people, we don't have a lot of force, and we don't have a lot of backing. Our problem is that our people will not stay together. I know you've heard this in the right wing a million times. If we could only all get together. I gave that up. I was a conservative for eight years. And I worked with all leading conservatives. I helped set up uh, Buckley and National Review. I did everything I could. I put every penny I saved and made in business. I put it all into a conservative effort. And I saw it go down the drain. Because the conservatives will not stick together. You all know that. I'm not telling you something you don't know. The Jews stick right together in a solid block. They all vote the same way. The Negroes all stick together in a solid block. They all vote the same way. The white man is, some are Yankees, some are rebels. Some are rich, some are poor. Some are labor, some are management. There are Catholics and Protestants. We're divided into a million little competing groups, and we, to the pleasure of the Jews, divide and cancel each other out. So I have given up the idea that we're going to all get together. This leaves only one possibility. Some of us have got to find some way to organize and be able to fight this filthy thing that is taking over our country, destroying our race, destroying our morals, and destroying every fabric of our national being. And in analyzing how are we going to do this, here is what I would like to present for your consideration. Why have we failed all of these other groups? Why did McCarthy fail, Father Coghlan fail, Lindbergh fail, and every group, Goldwater, I hate to even mention him in the same breath with those great men, why have we continually failed? And I will ask you to be as ruthless with yourselves as you've ever been in your life. Do not be subjective. This is what I finally had to do when I kept losing as a conservative. I got fed up with it. I got fed up with being blacked out. Nobody would ever give us any publicity. You never heard of anything of a right-wing meeting. All I ever saw us was doing was failing. And I began to try to analyze why have we been losing? Have you ever thought seriously of this? Why are we still here? 
We're actually, we've got more money than the Jews. That's the truth. Very few people realize that. We have insurance. We have banking. We have railroads. There's a lot of huge industries which are entirely Gentile. The Jews don't have all the money. We've got a lot of money. We've got intelligent, brilliant, wonderful people. We've got dedicated people. We have everything we need to win, and we keep losing. Does it, has it ever sunk into you? Have you ever laid awake at night, as I have many and many a night, wondering why? How can we keep losing? We have the truth. We have the force. We have the people. We have the money. And we keep losing and losing and losing. And we just did it again. We just lost to the biggest liar and crook perhaps that has ever been in the White House. A man who is openly known probably to kill to get in that White House. A man who is perhaps the biggest fake, the most obvious fake we've ever had. And we still couldn't beat him. Now, I think that if we're going to survive, folks, each one of you individually must search your heart and ask, why did that happen? And you must see that it never happens again. We can't afford to lose anymore. Surely there's nobody in this room that can imagine that we can survive for another 10 or 15 years. I think... Well, obviously, clearly he was wrong because we did survive about another 10 or 15 years. So, uh, you know, the ideas uh, uh, that, that, that he's come up with, people are not getting the full scope of, of, the, uh, of, of what the problem is. is it, and back then they didn't understand the globalist agenda. So uh, it, it's not going to take one group of people. It, all the people have to come together to stand up against evil. That's what the uh, what's really going to have to uh, come about, and people have to understand that, and they have to understand that the only way you're going to achieve the tyranny that's that's happening around uh, America or around the world now that's happening is you have to stand up against evil together. Divided, we're going to fall, and uh, anybody who wants to divide us, and and that, that's that's just not going to work. It's just not going to work at all. So the phone number six five seven three eight three zero six one six. I'm going to play this one right here. This is going to be inside. Uh, uh, also, I believe that if the country was to collapse, then obviously the militia groups would form, formulate and come together. And, uh, you know, uh, with the, let's hope that day does not come where America collapses so bad where we're inside of uh, um, a, a, a martial law lockdown and we're just moving within our own communities. I mean, are you self-sufficient? Do you have what it takes to survive? And uh, and uh, you know survive any type of uh, a travesty that's that's going to come your way or or a pandemic that because that's what they just said two weeks in two weeks uh, Biden's going to announce this thing so um, I'm going to play this one right here for you and uh, like I said I'll take calls um, you know six five seven three eight three zero six one six I got a, a dozen or so on the call board so we'll just see what happens but uh, we'll play this one right here and. Uh, I'll screen a couple callers. I don't like screening callers. I like to keep them live, but uh, a couple of these people are trying to get through to harass me tonight. In your lifetime, America's on the brink of civil war. Who here believes that their rights are under attack? I'm Lori Siegel in rural Michigan, where one of the largest statewide militias is preparing. Three weeks before the presidential election, we were invited to southwest Michigan to spend the day with the Michigan Home Guard Militia. And you're ready to we watched as they practiced military-style drills in preparation for what they believe is the possibility of civil unrest resulting from the election. 
going to go over your head. Okay. Every week, the Home Guard holds trainings across the state. Today, we're going over room clearance. Today, they're practicing building infiltration exercises that they imagine could be used in a hostage rescue. Room clearance, tricky business, and it never goes as you think it's going to. The group formed in 2014. They say their members come from a range of backgrounds, with day jobs including mechanics, politicians, teachers, and carpenters. Keep your finger out of the trigger guard until threat is identified. The Home Guard is a far-right paramilitary group. There are an estimated 181 groups like them in the U.S., according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. And many of those groups are increasingly turning up armed to protests, like those in Portland attempting to assume the role of law enforcement, and often fueling violence. No ammo on you. 32-year-old firefighter Adam Peisker joined the group in 2015, shortly after leaving the military, where he served in Afghanistan. A background in the military or law enforcement is not unusual in these so-called militias. Ready, up, bang, bang, back down. He told us he's second in command of the Home Guard and helps run the statewide group that he says includes hundreds of members. When you're thinking about Michigan Home Guard, I mean, what do you feel like you're protecting or defending? At this current point in time, we are protecting our group, our members, our families. They fear government overreach, like mandatory vaccination, gun control, and most recently, COVID-19 shutdown. In May, members of the Home Guard stood outside a barber shop in Owasso, Michigan, determined to help the store stay open in spite of the governor's lockdown orders. It is in the self-interest of these groups to say we have a right to do this, but they don't. They're just wrong. Attorney Mary McCord, who worked in the Obama and Trump Justice Department, is an expert in private militias. In 2017, she represented Charlottesville, Virginia, in litigation against several paramilitaries involved in the deadly alt-right rally. She says it is illegal for private militias to train or engage in paramilitary activity if their intent is to use it against the state or to take on the role of police. The Supreme Court has been very clear as far back as 1886 that the Second Amendment does not protect paramilitary organizations. This mythology that because the Second Amendment protects an individual right to bear arms for self-defense, you put that in combination with an open carry state, and that's one of the things that these uh, self-professed groups will point to as their authority. Meanwhile, these groups are growing. Web traffic to MyMilitia.com, a website where militia members connect to chat through everything, from basic survival needs to how to construct grenade launchers, to whether they should declare war on Antifa, has doubled since April. Talk to me about what happened with the Michigan Home Guard around the pandemic. It started off, okay, that makes sense. You know, we're going to lock down for two weeks. And then our governor kept extending it. Thousands of small businesses went under in Michigan because of this. So right there, it caused a big rift in our uh, state. People just started saying, okay, we can't trust the government. We can't buy toilet paper. So let's try to be more self-sufficient, see what the militia can do, but also be able to protect yourself if that riot does happen. While members told us they, quote, won't fire until fired upon, authorities arrested a former member of theirs in a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer on October 8th. While Peisker says the suspect, Adam Fox, had been kicked out of the group for being, quote, quick to temper, he told us that the governor isn't listening to her constituents. So it's all on her. You believe that it's all on her. But if you look at everything she's done. But you're excusing it. I, I am excusing it in a sense. You're right. Um, essentially, 
I feel she's brought it on herself. She's not listening to the A people. kidnapping plot. Yep. Murder. Potential for murder. you got to know you're making people mad. And if you continue to make people mad, they're going to find that snapping point. Politicians make people mad all the time, but we don't reach a, a point of where they, quote, deserve to be kidnapped. We don't condone it. But like I said, we step back. We you think she brings it, it on herself. She does. I mean, it's really disturbing. We spoke to Governor Whitmer remotely just 13 days after the plot was foiled. That day, with COVID cases increasing again, she made the decision to wear a mask at all times in public. Could you take me to the moment that you heard this news of a kidnapping plot? Since April, when the president first mentioned me in some of his press conferences. And all she does is say, oh, it's the federal government's fault. Since then, I've had um, death threats. I've had to have some tough conversations with my daughters and my husband. We've had people outside on our front lawn with um, automatic rifles on, on more than one occasion. Just one week after the plot was revealed, President Trump called Fox Business News to comment on Whitmer's performance as governor. Yeah, she wants to be a dictator in Michigan. Two days after that, he held a rally in Michigan where his supporters chanted for Whitmer to be placed behind bars. Lock them all up. How has this rhetoric impacted you? The organizers of the, the plot to kidnap and to put me on some sort of a trial and then execute me, this is the very language that, that they were using that helped inspire some of, of their their effort, and I think it's very dangerous. I was shocked. When President Trump was asked at the first debate to condemn white supremacists and right-wing militia groups, his response? Stand back and stand by. Was interpreted by Edgar as a message to groups like his. So when he says stand by, what does he want? What is he planning on having us stand by for? In some of his uh, speeches, he has mentioned Somebody has to stop the riots if the government won't. So he's kind of sidelining the militia to do it, is what militias out there are thinking. Raise your hand if you think that now, more than ever in your lifetime, America's on the brink of civil war. Who says we are already in a civil war? Right. It's already started. It's already started. When you have cities that are burning, you got burning cities, you got has centers set up where people can't go in and out. That is law enforcement can't, can't get control it. You have a civil war on your hands. Heisberg told us that if there is violence, his group will not run to the front lines, but instead will wait to see how events develop. Yet, he's quick to defend those who do take up arms, like 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with illegally showing up with an AR-15 rifle to a protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where he shot and killed two protesters. He claims he was acting in self-defense after a gun was pulled on him. Had there been a group like this to help him and, and, and ward that kid off from grabbing his rifle, none of that would have ever happened. But Kyle Rittenhouse also... Killed two people, injured another person. He was under attack. He was under attack by a person with a skateboard that came after him first. You believe that his actions were warranted? Yeah, yes. Do you guys believe that you would have made the same choice? They'd have killed me. I wouldn't have been as fast as him. I think the only thing I have to say bad about Kyle Rittenhouse's situation was he was underage, and it was a misdemeanor to carry the rifle at his age. The Kenosha example shows you what tragic results you can have. When you put a group 
of men together, and it's mostly white men, uh, with heavy weaponry, assault rifles. You know, you do end up getting a crowd mentality. People will often do things in groups that they wouldn't do as individuals. And I think that's why we've seen some of the tragic occurrences. It's what makes this so dangerous. You know, a constitutional lawyer told us that it's illegal to act as a private militia in Michigan. What's your response to that? I don't have a response. I would have to look into it. Ready? Up! All right. Okay, well, let's see here. What's the, what's the, what do the founders say about the uh, Second Amendment here? Well... Let's uh, see if I can pull that up here. I had it up here a second ago. Um, you know, you don't have a right to, I mean, you know, obviously they put their spin on it, um, which, you know, that's what they do. You know, they that's how they how they spin things and whatnot, and, and, and that's fine. You know, um, that's, that, that's, what, that's how, what they want to do. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that the, I must have, Shut it down when during that during that. Uh, uh, here it is right here. All right, what did they say? Uh, uh, okay, as here's to the majestic constitutional history of England, the intellectual and political leaders of the new colonies intended nothing less than to in- incorporate into the new government the laws and liberties of Englishmen, including the well-established right of the law-abiding citizen. The keep, to keep and bear arms. Yet while engaged in bringing about one of the most radical political charges in the history of the Western world, the Founding Fathers remained conservative Republicans who valued tradition and their English heritage. The dynasties of the um, uh, Angels, Anglo-Saxon Picts and uh, Jutes of 1066 and the Norman Conquest, the Magna Carta, the reigns of the Norman uh, Lancastrian, um, Tudor, Stuart, and Ho- uh, Hanoverian kings, the civil wars, the restoration of the glorious revolution, and most particularly the age of enlightenment and the um, Whig philosophies that came to dominate English political thought during the hundred years preceding the American Revolution. The revered English customs and law, Chief Justice Howard Taft, observed that the framers of our Constitution were born and brought up in the atmosphere of the common law and thought and spoke its vocabulary. They were familiar with other forms of government, recent and ancient, and indicated in their discussions earnest study and consideration of many of them. But when they came to put their conclusions into the form of fundamental law in a compact draft, they expressed themselves a terms, in terms of the common law, confident that they could be shortly and easily understood. The analysis by Chief Justice Taft explains, in part, the confusion that has developed, especially in the century, over the interpretation of the language of the Second Amendment, the meaning of such words as militia, keep arms, bear arms, discipline, well-regulated, and the people was the meaning of these words as they were used in English common law of the 16th through the 18th centuries, not as they are used today, as Chief Justice Taft further commented. The language of the Constitution cannot be interpreted safely uh, except by reference to the common law and to British institutions as they were when the instrument was framed and adopted. 
Thomas Jefferson, by no means an imprecise thinker, was well aware of the consideration in commenting upon how the Constitution properly be read. He said, On every question of construction, let us carry ourselves back to the time when the Constitution was adopted. Recollect the spirit manifested in the debates and instead of trying what meaning can be squeezed out of the text or invented against it, conform to the probable one which was passed. Yet, despite the clear evidence, gun control and prohibition uh, proponents attempt to squeeze out of the text of the Second Amendment the meaning that solely a that meaning that only a collective, not an individual, right is guaranteed by the amendment. They argue that the words of the amendment allegedly apply only to the group in our society that is well regulated and keeping bare arms, the National Guard. But they were wrong. David Kaplan who has examined this issue in depth, provides this analysis. In colonial times, the term well-regulated meant well-functioning. For this was the meaning of those words at the time, as demonstrated by the following passage from the original 1789 Charter of the University of North Carolina, whereas in all well-regulated governments, it is the indispensable duty of every legislator's to consult the happiness of a rising generation. Moreover, the Oxford English Dictionary defines regulated, among other things, as properly disciplined, and it defines discipline, among other things, as trained condition. Privately kept firearms and training with them, apart from the formal militia uh, mustering, thus was encompassed by the Second Amendment. In order to enable bodied citizens to be trained by being familiar to advance with the functioning of firearms, and that way, when organized, the militia would be able to function well when the need arose to muster and be deployed for sudden military emergencies. Therefore, even even if the opening words of the amendment, a well-regulated militia, somehow would be interpreted as strictly limiting the right of the people to bear arms, to keep uh, people to keep arms, I nevertheless a properly functioning militia fundamentally proposes that the individual citizen be allowed to keep practice and train himself in the use of firearms. The National Guard cannot be possible can, can, cannot possibly be interpreted as the whole constitutional militia encompassed by the Second Amendment. If for no other reason the fact that guardsmen are prohibited by law from keeping their own military arms instead these firearms are owned and, and annually inventoried by the federal government and are kept in armories under lock and key. With with this, uh, let's see, uh, with the preliminary understanding, let's examine how the amendment came into being and was the rati- was then ratified into the U.S. Congress. The first con- uh, Continental Congress, which convened at uh, Carpenter's Hall in Philadelphia on September 5, 1774, was the first major political gathering of the American colonies. The Congress was to become the de facto revolutionary government that directed the war for independence. The principal outcome of the first meeting was the issuance of a petition called the Declaration of Rights and Grievances, an appeal to King George III to restore harmony between Britain and the colonies. At that time, there was considerable discord between them, chiefly because of the passage by the British Parliament on March 1774 of the so-called Intolerable Acts. 
a series of punitive measures directed against the colony of Massachusetts for its rebellious conduct, which had been recently evidenced by the Boston Tea Party before adjoining the first Continental Congress also arranged for a Congress to take place in Philadelphia if the king failed to respond favorably to the petition. Okay. As it turned out, not only did King George III fail to respond favorably, he began preparations for war. In August 1775, he issued a proclamation for uh, suppressing rebellion and sedition in the colonies and hired 20,000 Nestian mercenaries who were soon sent to America. The Second Continental Congress convened on May 10, 1775. Delegates to the meeting, including George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, and Thomas Jefferson, began to organize the colonies for war. George Washington was commissioned to organize the, a Continental Army, and the Congress formula, formulated regulations for foreign trade, issued paper money, and sent uh, emissaries abroad to uh, negotiate with foreign powers for financial, diplomatic, and military assistance. Jefferson aided, especially by John Adams, drafted the Congress, adopted the Declaration of Independence July 4, 1776, and November 15, 1777, Congress drafted and adopted this Article of Confederation, which was ratified by the 13 colonies in 1781. During, such a, uh, such, during much of this period, armed combat combat had been taking place between the colonists and the British Army of the Mercenaries. The conflict ended with the surrender of the British forces at Yorktown on October 19, 1781. Subsequently, the states recognized that the Articles of Confederation were flawed and practically and urgently in need of amendment. Therefore, the states sent delegates to a convention that convened at the State House of Philadelphia May 25, 1787. The convention was attended by 55 delegates from 12 states, all prominent political figures at the time, including uh, luminaries in, as James Madison, uh, George Mason, Benjamin Franklin, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, and Thomas Jefferson did not attend as they were on diplomatic missions abroad. Nor did Patrick Henry or Samuel Adams, both of whom opposed the formation of a strong central government for the new nation. The delegates soon realized that merely amending the Articles of Confederation would not solve the problems facing the states and that... that a new governing document was required. After four months of debate, the Constitution was drafted, signed, and then sent to the individual states for ratification. And as required by the article, the article provided that the Constitution could become effective only after ratification by at least two-thirds of the states. In the months before, after the Constitution convention, including the ratification period that lasted until June 21st, 1760, uh, excuse me, June 21st, 1788. When New Hampshire became the ninth state to ratify, fulfilling the two-thirds majority, ratification required. Numerous constitutional debates took place in all the states, accompanied by a steady stream of commentary in the popular press by the issue being debated. It came as no surprise that with all these politicians at work, literally thousands of pages of debate proceedings, records, and suggestions and amendments were produced. Reading their words, one tries to imagine what it would be like to be, uh, be in their company and share what they have must have been feeling. Surely they must have been proud of their stunning victory over the British, full of optimism for their future as free people in a free country. But at the same time, they must have felt humbled, uncertain, and fearful of the mon mon monumentous task that lay before them. One also begins to realize that even though only 14 years had gone by the by, by for these most determined men, it was likely that the smell of gunpowder from Lexington and Concord was still in their noses. The fear of standing armies 
of the of of all the powerful memories and emotions of the founding fathers brought to the Constitution debates. Apparently, none was stronger than their fear of standing armies. As David Young has observed, the necessity of an armed populace protection against disarming of the citizenry and need to guard against a select militia, a need for select militia, and to assure a real militia and could defend liberty against any standing forces the government might raise were topics uh, um, throughout the ratification period. Yet, in the absence of a standing army, how was the nation to defend itself from external or eternal aggression? The founding fathers understood this would be accomplished by a militia by what kind of militia? Here is a typical anti-federalist view expressed by Richard Henry, writing under the, um, uh, the uh, he's a federal farmer, the federal farmer. A militia, when properly formed, are in, in fact the people themselves and render regular troops in great measure unnecessary. The providers to form and arm the militia, to appoint their officers and to command by their services, are very important. You ought that they, they in a Confederate Republic to be lodged solely in any other one member of the government. First, the Constitution ought to secure a genuine uh, a genuine right and guard against a select militia by providing that the militia shall always be kept well organized, armed, and disciplined, and include according to the past and general usage of the states, all men capable of bearing arms. Regarding the freedom to keep and bear arms, a particular concern to the anti-federalists was the central government would, over time, convert and model from the corpus of the general militia traditionally, meaning all able-bodied men between the ages of roughly 16 and 60, a select militia, men typically between the ages of 18 and 21, say, who would receive more training and be better equipped than the rest of the people. As far as the anti-federalists were concerned, such a skilled select militia would be for all practical purposes. If you read the Federalist Papers, number 29, it is interesting to note, however, that Hamilton's proposal assumed that the general population would be armed. Okay? And it goes on and on and on about controversy and the anti-Federalists and whatnot. And if you read this, it's all there in the archive. And, but the fact of the matter remains is that the individual's right to bear arms and they organize together is a clear constitutional right guaranteed by the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. And any tyrannical government that wants to proceed to try to take away that right, I don't care, through regulation, through whether whatever they want to do, is unconstitutional and null and void. Simple as that. And, you know, it's common sense. It's just common sense. I just don't see anything that you just could uh, argue against it. But uh, you have your liberal people out there that don't like wet guns and they think guns are bad and whatnot. And, you know, we live in a more modern society today, so therefore we should trust our government to protect us. Yeah, they're doing a real good job. Just look at the COVID thing. We just played that for the entire show. So with that being said there, phone number 657-383-0616. Anybody wants that link, I can post it for them. Uh, MadisonBrigade.com library. Uh, excuse me, madisonbrigade.com slash library. And that's what you want to look up there. It goes into it. It's a long reading, actually, very long. I read only a quarter of it, actually, for you. So, But, uh, you know, it's, it's very clear about the Second Amendment. All right, uh, let's see here. 336-419-7236. I mean, excuse me, uh, 
657-383-0616 is the phone number to call. If you want to comment on that, constitutionally, uh, the Second Amendment, what I just read for you, that's fine, you can. Uh, the COVID thing we covered earlier, and uh, hey, we took, we uh, did the best we could to try to alert you, wake you up, and uh, bring you the most uh, best message we possibly could to wake you up, and what you do with that message is totally up to you. And, uh, oh, man, thanks there. Somebody sent me a message there. They liked the uh, General Patton from 1945. I downloaded a 13-minute uh, audio there the other night. I played a General Patton there speaking. That was uh, very interesting. Um, we did a, a documentary on General Patton, actually. You know, there's a lot of history. history. But uh, we'll play some John, uh, let's see here, John Adams right now, and since we're quoting the Constitution. President recognizes Mr. Adams of Massachusetts. Objects of the most stupendous magnitude. Measures which will affect the lives of millions, born and unborn, are now before us. We must expect a great expense of blood to obtain them. But we must always remember that a free constitution of civil government cannot be purchased at too dear a rate, as there is nothing on this side of Jerusalem of greater importance to mankind. My worthy colleague from Pennsylvania spoken with great ingenuity and eloquence. He has given you a grim prognostication of our national future, but where he foresees apocalypse, I see hope. I see a new nation ready to take its place in the world. Not an empire, but a republic and a republic of laws, not men. Gentlemen, we are in the very midst of revolution, the most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves, and the children. I am not without apprehensions, gentlemen. But the end we have in sight is more than worth all the means. I believe, sirs, that the hour has come. My judgment approves this measure, and my whole heart is in it. All that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready to stake upon it. While I live, let me have a country. A free country. If your killer instinct are not clean and strong, you will hesitate at the moment of truth. 
You will not kill. You will become dead, Marine. And then you will be in a world of shit. Because Marines are not allowed to die without permission. The maggots understand. Sir! All right, everybody, just, uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast here tonight. I've got a dozen people or so that just I can't get through. Uh, they're pretending they're pressing the number one. I'm just not going to connect people without unless I see the, pound, the question mark come up the, the next to their phone number. They're just having trouble connecting tonight. i got the chat room, people bouncing in and out. i got about 20 people in the chat room that are logged in, logged out, logged in, logged out. So I don't know what's going on with that. The show must not have uploaded. I don't know what's going on. I am in process of transferring the RSS feed to iHeartRadio, so that could be the problem. I don't know. So we'll just see what happens. But if not, God bless the Republic. I'll see you next time. Understanding the times in which we live today. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, First Chief Justice John Jay. Names synonymous with the spirit of our country. Founding fathers of the USA. Over 200 years ago, they shook off the chains of tyranny from Great Britain by divine call. Citing 27 biblical violations, they wrote the Declaration of Independence with liberty and justice for all. But something happened since Jefferson called the Bible the cornerstone for American liberty, then put it in our schools as a light. Or since give me liberty or give me death, Patrick Henry said, our country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We eliminated God from the equation of American life, thus eliminating the reason this nation first began. From beyond the grave, I hear the voices of our founding fathers plead. You need God in America again. Of the 55 men who formed the Constitution, 52 were active members of their church. Founding fathers like Noah Webster, who wrote the first dictionary, could literally quote the Bible chapter and verse. James Madison said, we've staked our future and our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all our heart. These men believed you couldn't even call yourself an American if you subvert the Word of God. In his farewell address, Washington said, you can't have national morality apart from religious principle, and it's true. Because right now we have nearly 150,000 kids carrying guns to these war zones we call public schools. In the 40s and 50s, student problems were chewing gum and talking. In the 90s, rape and murder are the trend. The only way this nation can even hope to last this decade is put God in America again. The only hope for America is Jesus. The only hope for our country is Him. If we repent of our Abe Lincoln said the philosophy of the... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.